This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Let's go on. We've been talking about how to live victoriously in the valley. You know, we are not just a church that knows how to live victoriously on the mountaintop. And all of us have experienced uh, valley life. There was a time when uh, Robin, my wife, was um, struggling with pain in her jaw. And so uh, those were physically very uh, tough times, valley times. We couldn't pinpoint uh, where the pain was coming from. We went to see uh, oral surgeons. We went to see face pain surgeons and uh, dentists all in town. And uh, one of the things I remember uh, kind of opened my eyes to the, my experience with the medical world was because Robin couldn't pinpoint the pain. It's in, and it didn't matter if it was a woman doctor or a male doctor. I could see they all thought, well, maybe the, it's up in her head. And, you know, immediately they wanted to put her on sort of medication, which I'm not against. I thought that was fine, but there was actual pain. She just couldn't pinpoint it. And so uh, for us, and of course, you know, it's not like we go lament on all over social media, let everybody know how bad it is. Uh, or we didn't tell our kids either, but it was tough for me and Robin, uh, especially for her, of course, and she was just overwhelmed with, uh, and then you could, you could feel the um, anxiety kind of seeping in. Like, what is this thing? I don't know what it is. And so you can feel this, you know, the anxiety kind of just seeping in. And the Lord just gave me, uh, just gave me some um, courage to go on Google and start Googling, you know, maybe solutions. And I would not recommend that. So uh, you'll find all sorts of ailments. But I decided to call the Boston uh, university or Boston Medical Facilities. Uh, they were experts in uh, face and jaw pain. And so I got a hold of them. We were desperate, living in the valley, uh, feeling alone, feeling like we don't know what's going on. And, and so they suggested we go to a doctor at Shan's Hospital. And I remember those dark times. So physically, it was a valley life, but we definitely felt the Lord's presence the whole time, even though you could feel these external pressures trying to seep in. And so we have been going through this, um, this uh, series on how to live victoriously when you're in the, um, the valley. And how many of you have ever seen the movie um, Braveheart? Yes. Some of the young ones haven't. Isn't that crazy? Some of the youngs have not seen Braveheart. Well, I saw it a long time ago. Uh, it's based on, uh, you know, loosely based on a true story. But what we do know is that William Wallace, the main character in the story, of course, in the movie, was a great Scottish, <laughs> did you hear the Scottish accent? Uh, it comes out on me sometimes. Um, I am about 2% uh, Scottish. So... Uh, he led a valiant a rebellion against the oppressive English occupation. 
And what we know historically is that William Wallace was known for his innovation, ingenuity, raw courage, and of course, leadership. But at the end, the end of his life, William Wallace was this great warrior, but he did not die on the battlefield. And of course, if you've seen the movie, you know how he died. But he was betrayed and he was deceived by one of his own Scottish nobles. Now, one thing the King of England had been trying to get a hold of this uh, William Wallace, and he couldn't find him, but I think the King of England knew exactly how to get him because he knows human nature. So the King of England unleashed this powerful weapon called comfort and security. And he used this as a weapon of war because he knew that people and Scottish people are the same and especially Scottish nobles prefer comfort over battle. And I believe William Wallace, and I read this article, underestimated the lure and temptation that was happening of those who were close to him. Comfort is seductive. It comes in all forms. It looks like a comfy couch, or comfort could be also masked uh, in a way of avoiding conflict, or thinking you're comfortable with your own thinking processes and you're always right. And so comfort comes in all different forms, but it is incredibly seductive. And William Wallace found this out about his friends. Judas Iscariot chose comfort of cash. And somehow that would ease whatever pain he had, and he chose cash over Jesus. So the lure of comfort. And I can go on and on and on and talk to you about all different stories of the Bible where people chose comfort, being seduced. I think that's happening to us in the West, in the church. I mentioned a few months ago that, you know, imprisoning people is expensive. You got to build prisons. You know, when I talk, we talk about the, the persecuted church, you know, it's expensive to jail people. You got to hire guards and you got to build jails and you've got to feed them at least minimally, uh, money and security. It's expensive. So the enemy is trying to get us to bow our knee through persecution. But the other seduction, which is not expensive because we pay for it out of our own pocket, is the lure of comfort. And I am guilty of this. Many times I've chose comfort over obedience. And aren't you glad that Jesus did not succumb to the, the seduction of comfort over obedience? Amen? Yes. I've been reading the Old Testament, going through... Uh, uh, the year in reading the Bible, and of course, I'm rereading Old Testament stories that I haven't uh, come across in a long, long time. And so, this is where kind of this uh, Sunday ser uh, sermon series has come about. 
In Numbers chapter 13 and 14 is the story of Moses sending the 12 spies to scope out the land. Raise your hand if you know the story, because I'm not going to read the whole thing. You can read it in Numbers 13 and 14. But there's in verse, Numbers chapter 13, verse 21. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob, Rehob toward Lebo Hamath. And they went up through Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman and Sheshai and Talmai and the descendants of Anak lived. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch of bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. And at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Verse 26, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran, and they reported to them to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people, look what it says here, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Even We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. There's so much in this story. If you've read it, let me encourage you to reread it again. There's one thing for sure as you read the story is that the enemy of our soul loves to puff himself up and make himself bigger than he really is. We talked a few weeks ago about perspective. And so, and you know this, uh, there's all different types of uh, situations where, uh, you know, you've seen the National Geographic, maybe, um, uh, you know, you've seen the National Geographic where maybe um, like a, a cobra will make itself big, uh, a puff fish will make itself big and, and try to give you a different perspective that they're bigger than they really are. We can see that, uh, that the enemy is trying to do this here. The enemy of our soul loves to puff up and make himself bigger than he really is. Try to change your perspective. Try to give you a different perspective. He wants you to focus on yourself and not God. So when you're in the valley, ask for God's perspective. When you're down and, you know, because of physical issues, financial issues, emotional issues, um, relational issues, all sorts of things. Maybe you have them all combined. I'm praying that God will give you the understanding to, to ask God, give me your perspective. You, as we read in the story, you'll read on, if you read the story, that they thought like they were like grasshoppers next to giants. And I'm here to tell you that you're not a grasshopper. Amen? So another one thing I'm telling you is do not 
overestimate the enemy. Don't make him bigger than he really is. Or do not make it bigger than it really is. You don't have to raise your hand, but that is a challenge, isn't it? You know, I'm not going to pick on my mom. Hopefully she's not watching today. Spanish is her first language. So English is her second language. So I'm going to talk a little quickly here. So if she's watching, she won't pick up on it. All right. And my sister is not going to translate. My mom has the capacity to make the situation bigger than it is. She, at times, lives in the world of all the possibilities, and I'm trying to get her to come back to the land of probabilities. And a lot of times they said, Mom, think how God would want you to think. Take on his perspective. Take on his perspective. Do not overestimate the enemy. As we read the story, I think that is resonating throughout the story. The enemy of our soul loves to puff himself up, make himself bigger than he really is. He wants you to focus on the problem and not on God. He wants to focus you, uh, the enemy wants you to focus on yourself and not God. It's true the enemy is big. Goliath is big. It's not that he's small, but he is big. But that's not the point. Yes, we might be grasshoppers, but that's not the point. The point is that we are children of the living God. Jesus paid a price for us. We are children of God. If we say yes and live for Jesus, we are part of his family. We are have been adopted into his family. And so, yes, the, the fact may be true that we're small next to our problem, but we serve a very big God, a living God. Amen? Amen. The next thing I want us to remember is don't underestimate God. I think that's hard for me and, and many of us as I hear stories. When the Hebrew children fell into the valley of faith, it turned into them, and their, their perception was the valley of failure, underestimating the power of God. Apparently, can you imagine? Apparently, they must have forgotten about what God had done for them prior. Parting of the sea, the Red Sea. <laughs> Or as my teacher would say, the Reed Sea. Uh, they forgot about the plagues that God brought on the Egyptians. All that went out the window when it came to facing the giants of Canaan. Let me encourage you, if you've never written down all the miracles that God has done for you, can I encourage you to do that? I started late, and there are some I know that I've, as I've gotten older, I'm beginning to forget. But let's not forget all the miracles that God has done for us. Write them down. Repeat them to yourself and to your families. When my wife and I 
first got into ministry, we had a, uh, we were missionaries and we stepped out on, in faith. Sounds beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful sound. And we were broke. Living by faith is not easy. Living on people's goodwill of pledges was not easy, and especially not in the beginning. My mother-in-law doesn't know this, so this is the first time she'll hear this. But we were so broke. We didn't have any food in the fridge. And Robin kept saying, let's call my parents and see if we can borrow some money. And uh, not that they, I didn't want to do that, but I, what I wanted to do is, Lord, you called us. I know that you've performed many miracles before. And so let's not do that. I decided not to do that. The interest rate was really bad too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So what happened is a friend came over to our house and he wanted to know about this new ministry I was getting into, Chi Alpha Campus Ministry. And Robin says, why don't you show him a book? So I said, well, honey, it's, I've already boxed it up. It's in the garage. I don't even know where that book is. And she goes, you need to show him the book because that really explains the ministry well. And so I just like shrugged my shoulders like, okay, I'll do it. And so I went into the garage, opened up some boxes because we were ready to move. And I opened up the box and I pulled out this notebook. And uh, so I began to show them, you know, like a flip chart back in the day. This is pre-PowerPoint, you know, the flip chart notebook. And when I did this, out of the blue, no kidding, a $100 check floated right out of the book. Uh, two months prior to that moment, the church had given me a going away party and people gave me uh, financial gifts. And let me just tell you, it was the same. We, we acted, when we came home from that party, that going away party, we acted like newlyweds did uh, when they go home to, uh, with all the wedding gifts. We were ripping those envelopes, <laughs> look to see how much money we, we collected. Uh, so in other words, there's no way, there's no way we would have let that slip through our fingers. But Lord knew, and he performed this beautiful miracle. And at that moment, we knew without a shadow of a doubt that God would take care of us. And sure enough, we were able to uh, cash the check and we were able to get food in the refrigerator. And as you can see, the Lord has taken good care of us food-wise, especially me. So do not underestimate who God is. The people of Israel forgot the power of God. And I'm going to encourage you, do not let the power of God and past miracles fade and get so dim and low that you forget and underestimate the power of God. Amen? Amen. It's of, of the, this is the fifth part of the series, so number 15. Do not overestimate the past. The lure of living in the past. Anybody know who Uncle Rico is? Yes. It's a movie from Napoleon Dynamite. And Uncle Rico, there's a famous scene where he longed to go back in history because he could have been a superstar quarterback. And he was bragging about his past. Remember that he could throw it past the mountains. 
It's a great scene. It's a, it's a hilarious scene. So don't overestimate the past. The lure of living in the past like Uncle Rico, or I call it the Uncle Rico syndrome. The good old days of the past. I know that sounds like antithesis, what I just said, but a lot of times when we, and that's why I'm, I'm talking, write down the miracles of God. A lot of times when we think of the past, we kind of we clean them up. We kind of make it, uh, we kind of make it bigger than they, they really were. Sometimes I hear ministers talk about the good old days. You know, remember when we had Sunday night church? Uh, and they, they talk about that a lot. And there were some really good things about Sunday night church. But a lot of times, uh, you know, it was, it wasn't, you know, I've been, I've been to many Sunday night churches and not all of them were great. You know, some of them were good. So don't overestimate. Don't change the past. The good old days have hindered too many of us from hearing a fresh perspective of what God wants to do today. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us as a church. One of the things we never want to do is just do what we've always done and overestimate the past. Sometimes we have to let go of good because God wants to give us something better. And so the Hebrew children were going through this. They, they, they started looking backwards. They wanted to go back to Egypt. And, you know, they had it good back then. And, and they couldn't see. They overestimated how good they had, right? They didn't have it good. But put a few years have gone by. Now they're longing to go back into that kind of lifestyle. Too many people I know who started with Jesus have looked and said, well, I had, a, I had a lot of friends back in those days, right? I used to have, you know, I was happier in those days. And you, you begin to overestimate the past. One more part is don't underestimate the future. One of the things I'd like to challenge us, and I'm not going to go much longer, but do not let the challenges you're facing today keep you from receiving God's promise. Amen. Just because you're going through a hard time today, we can live victoriously, but we can remember and know that God has promised us his presence. The children of the Hebrew children lost sight of the goal. They saw giants, they saw walls. That's what they saw. What they didn't see was an inheritance that God had promised them. They focused on the challenges and not the promise. They focused on the challenges and not the promise. Maybe you're going through a, a relational issue, financial issue. Let me encourage you. Has God spoken to you? Hold on to the promise and not only focus on the challenge. The Hebrew children lost sight of the goal. They forgot that there was an inheritance that was promised to them. So let me encourage you to ask God, what's the purpose? Sometimes, like, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? We talked about one of the points. You know, I found myself in, a, in a, a very dark time in my life. 
And I'm asking the Lord to give me victory even during this dark time. And, and Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? What do you want me to glean from this? And one thing I've learned, and we say this all the time in our church, is his presence is the reward. That's why you can, you can experience victory because victory is God's presence, his closeness in the valley. Years and years and years and years ago, I preached on, um, on the, about a vineyard and the grapes. Uh, there's a scripture in Matthew talks that he lifts us up. And so the, the person that works in the vineyards is closest to the grapes. He's pruning, but he's really close and he's lifting up. And that's the presence of God. When you're in the middle of it, remember that God is the goal. His presence is my reward. Let's not focus on the giants or the walls, but remember that God is our inheritance. He is our inheritance. We say it all the time, and I want to encourage you. His presence is my reward. Lord, when I'm going through it, Lord, help me to focus on you, your presence. Lord, let me, I want to make sure I don't do anything, anything to hinder your presence being with me. Caleb and Joshua, if you read the story, had bold faith. You just have to read what happened in their lives later on. You have to read what happened to the other 10 that didn't have bold faith. They saw giants. Men and women of great faith head straight or face the giants. Face the giants, face the realities that, yes, there's giants, but behind the giants is inheritance that God has promised. Too many times, too many, and, and I've done this, too many times we fail to face the giants in front of us because all we see is that and we don't see what's behind that. We could say that for almost anything, right? So men and women of great faith head straight to face the giants while the others look for excuses. We can see this in all sorts of, you know, in our situations in our lives, that people come up with excuses all the time. Why? Because they, they didn't want to face the giant. Something is simple. I just saw this little article on piano playing. The piano players are uh, pretty smart. But just think of all the practicing. You know, my wife and I, we just had a conversation. We drove to Panama City. And sometimes I'll ask a question, is there anything that you regret in life? You know, as you get older, you start asking those questions. And I said, you can't say uh, walking away from me is one of them. You know, we're in the car together. And so... That's off the table. But she did say, I regret not playing um, piano more. And, you know, as you probe in that, this is something simple, guys, but you, the principles there is that she didn't want to face the giant of practicing. She couldn't see past the pain of practicing. Men and women of great faith Face the giants 
because they know what's behind there because God is behind them and God is their promise. Other people look for excuses. I don't have time to do this. I'd rather be doing that and my friends are over here and I'd rather have fun with my friends than practicing. One thing I love about Jesus as I wrap things up is that Jesus faced the giants. He saw this, this is the reality, the cross, but he had the capacity, his perspective is to see past the cross as well. We're shutting down. Jesus knew his path and faced the giants. I'm asking us as a church to help us to not overestimate the enemy, not to underestimate God, not to overestimate the past, and not to underestimate the future. So I promise, um, I'm asking you to make me a little promise that you'll go back and read the story in Numbers 13 and 14. And you can see how they overestimated the enemy, how they underestimated God, many, the crowd. They overestimated the past. Can you imagine wanting to go back? And they didn't see the true value and understand the future. So I'm going to ask everybody's eye closed as we... I'm going to ask Bryce to, um, to wrap us up here, but every eye closed, head bowed. Maybe you're going through a rough time right now, and the uh, enemy is trying to make himself bigger than he really is. Eyes closed, head bowed. If you feel like, man, the enemy is just really echoing loud in my ear, my spiritual ear, if that's you, I just want to pray with you. Yes. Amen. Lord Jesus, we pray for those right now who are just being bombarded with voices of the enemy and that enemy is making them bigger than he is. Lord, we just pray, God, that you would drown out that sound and fill it with the peace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. This might be a close cousin, but eye closed, head bowed. You struggle with... God really do what he said he could do. Anybody like that? Like you underestimate God's power. And I fall in that category from time to time. Yes. Two, three. Yes. Lord, we just pray right now. Lord, that is maybe uh, and we all fall and pray to this. You know, we see the big wall in front of us. The impossibility of getting over these giant walls and these giant people. Lord, I pray, God, that you would build their faith in you, God. You do it. It's not, it's not about grinding teeth and clenching fists and tightening belts. It's about Holy Spirit helping us. Lord, help us never to underestimate who you are. Maybe you feel like best is behind you because you're overestimating the past. 
I've fallen prey to this myself, living that Uncle Rico syndrome. That's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Yes. Amen, me too. Yes. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help all of us, Lord, to not overestimate and sterilize and cleanse the past or make it worse than it was. Lord, we let go of the past in order to receive the best from you here from this point on in the future. In Jesus' name. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.